Not afraid to tell it like it is. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon till 3 on AM 900 CHML. Of course, we're all following the Tim Bosma murder trial. Alex Pearson has been covering it for us. And as we left off prior to the long holiday weekend, uh, Mark Smitch was on the stand and being cross-examined by Dellen Millard's lawyer. That has finished up last week. And today it was the Crown's turn to talk more about all of this. Alex Pearson is with us now. Hi, Alex. How are you today? Hey, Scott. Uh, revived, and uh, I think uh, a lot of people feeling much kind of better today than they were three days ago. Obviously, uh, they wanted to finish. The judge wanted to finish everything up with uh, Della Millard, uh, Millard's lawyer before moving on to the cross uh, from the Crown, which is why they sat on Saturday. But what's it been like? Or sorry, not yeah. Saturday, Friday. Uh, what's it been like uh, this morning with the Crown uh, cross-examining Smitch? What a different day it is today, and uh, what a different kind of outlook Mr. Smith seems to have. I mean, this is a very experienced Crown Attorney, Craig Fraser, who's been handling this side of things. And, I, I mean, he's not, he's not literally taking any crap from Mark Smith. So whereas Mr. Sachak would have to kind of meander on a point, you know, they had much different uh, tools they were working on, and he, and he was limited because what Mr. Sachak couldn't do was bring the finger back to his own client. So he had to be careful in the right. way he juxtaposed questions. But what he ended up doing was getting stuck on a lot of points where he was trying to drag out information from Mr. Smith that he just wasn't going to get. But what Mr. Fraser has done and has been so, so good at it, was pointing out there was a plan, there was a plan to kill somebody, to incinerate them, and to cover it up. And what he's done is taken all the text message, essentially, between Mr. Millard and Mr. Smitch, uh, starting way back in February of 2012, showing the plan to steal a dog. You can't argue with text. And you can also not say, I don't know. So what Mr. Smitch has kind of been reduced to is quibbling here and just going, "Mm mm-hmm, yep, because it's all there in writing of mm-hmm. what they were planning on doing. And Fraser's not having any of it. I mean, as soon as Mr. Smith kind of says, mm, I don't know, I don't know, he moves right on because he's made his point. He's made his point brilliantly. So this is just a much different cross-examination than we have seen uh, from the past. Uh, what about the different approaches uh, by the lawyers, Dellen Millard's lawyer and the Crown? What, what is the, if their demeanor, what's the difference between the two? Well, I mean, the Crown is obviously trying to take both of these guys down. Yeah. So they're pointing the finger of blame at both. And can afford to be more aggressive as a result. Yeah, and it's not that he's being aggressive. It's not like he's being rude. He's just pointing out what Mr. Smith and Mr. Dellen Millard wrote to each other. Mm-hmm. Explain this. Explain what you've written here. He's bringing out characters showing not only did you plan to steal a truck, but here in this text you planned to buy a gun from this guy Issue. Uh, that's not his real name, but that's his street thug name. Yeah. Um, and, and interestingly, whereas Sachak, as I said, was limited because if he brought out certain things, it would be brought back to his client, Dellen Millard. The Crown right. doesn't have to do that, so he can point out both. Um, but he's been very, very, very pointed, and, and the language very tough for the Bosmas to hear, and saying, let's talk about the eliminator that you apparently, you and your friend Dellen have bum shoulders, but here are the measurements, and here is this machine that has been custom-built by both of you. You know, you plan to build this thing, and then it was your plan, Mr. Smith, to make it mobile, this apparent pet cremation business that you guys were going to start. Mm-hmm. Um, 
He said the measurements are what they are. It's four foot, you know, six, and I don't have the exact measurements in front right. of me, but he said it was over four foot tall to get to the lip of this thing. And then the measurements of the hole to get something inside of it is 18 inches by 21. He said this is a two-man job. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You cannot dispute. You would need two people to lift the body of Tim Bosnett, a six-foot man, 170 pounds. And again, I don't add in the fact that we're dealing with dead weight, so it adds a whole bunch yeah. more, uh, you know, issues for people. But Fraser was great in, in saying this is a two-man job. I don't care what you say. It's a two-man job. You can tell everybody which way or another how it's going, but this was a two-man job, and you were involved. And what is Smitch's reaction to those sorts of questions? Well, he gets it, you know, my, my shoulder, I don't know. You know, he gets confused. Uh, but again, it's very hard. You know, the jury is left with a distinct impression looking at this huge contraption on a video screen and then having to look at the measurements and hear the measurements from the crown. You have to think in your head, okay, how feasible is it for a guy like Dellen Millard to do this by himself? When you listen to the measurements, you see the picture, and then the only response Mr. Smith can get was, well, Dellen was doing a lot of working out. He did a lot of gymnastics. You would have to be wow. an incredibly strong yeah. guy to lift that kind of weight, that high, and put it in. So there's no question. And there were also uncomfortable conversations um, in text talking about chopping up um, and the crown oh, going man. to that area that we'd never really talked about, saying, are you talking about dismembering a person to get it in there? I mean, are you ta- is that what you're talking about? And he didn't really answer, but the insinuation certainly was there. And I, I did catch a glance of the Bosmas uh, dabbing away tears. It's very hard for them to hear this. Hmm. But it's, it, it's absolutely essential that the crown show... Uh, in as crass of a nature as they can. And they're very, very good. Like, they're very, very, very um, close with the Bosnians. They've worked with them, and, and they always check in with them. So they're not trying to be right. uh, mean, yeah. but they have to show this so that the jury is once again brought back into the reality of, here's what you've been told, but this is absolute fact. So measure it out, because they need this context to be able to go into the deliberations and say, well, Mark Smith said this, but if you go back to the Crown and the information they give, how feasible is it for a man to lift uh, a six-foot, 170-pound man of dead weight into this contraption? He's been very, very effective. Uh, is, Is Smith agreeing with the Crown in any way? Well, he certainly... It's certainly different than what we got. We're not getting as much attitude. We're certainly not getting the song and dance that we saw with Mr. Sechak. Um, the, the bringing of the text to show conversations is very hard for Mr. Smith to dispute what he has written himself. I mean, it's really hard when you're saying, let's steal um, a 3500 back in February of 2012, and he says, yes, I've been looking into it, but we need a good plan and we can't you know, screw this up. How do you argue that? I mean, how do you get around that? Um, and and, and the, con, the text conversations between Millard and Smitch, where they talk about stealing stuff, going on missions, and bobcats and trees and, and lookouts, like, what Fraser did very well, I thought, was say, these are easy. You don't need to plan these things. The only reason you need a plan is if you're planning to kill somebody and then incinerate them and then cover this up. You knew what you were doing. You knew how to do the lookouts. You knew how to do all this because you've done this a hundred times. You admit that you've done these missions. What was different about this one is that this mission meant that a, a person was going to die and their body was going to be burned up and then 
you guys were going to cover up the plant. Mm. This notion that you, Mr. Scared, Mr. Paranoid, Mr. Fearful for his life, didn't spend any time with Mr. Millard between the 6th and the 10th is nonsense because you spent 10 hours with him, 10 hours, you know, moving vehicles, 10 hours, uh, you know, two and a half of those 10 hours spent would be cleaning out the eliminator. It had to cool, and then you went back and you cleaned out the ashes and the bones of this thing. And then you, you know, spent time taking the car seats out and the carpeting, and then you drove over to the barn with Mr. Millard, and you, you know, incinerated this stuff. You burnt it. You went to get gas. Cans filled. You're spending a lot of time with this guy that you're so, you know, lunatic Dell, and yet here you spend up to 10 hours before his arrest with him, and then right before his arrest, he points out you spent 50 minutes with the guy. The cops had just left the hangar, and you guys are having a conversation about, you know, the fact that Dell knows the jig is up, and, and you guys have to have a plan for when he goes in, and he's saying, get the drugs and the gun out of the house. He's like, but don't give me this crap that, you know, lunatic Dell you're so scared of because you've been with him now for hours and spent hours. Anybody who was that scared would not have been around him. Hmm. So less attitude from Smitch, and you think that's just due to the fact that there's so much text evidence that there's not much he can say? I think, yeah, he looks a little more worn down today, kind of like, it's just, I think it's more difficult for him to say, I'm confused or I don't know, when really it's all kind of right there in front of him. I mean, we've just left the courthouse now where um, there were several, you know, again, rhymes that he had written uh, within weeks of Mr. Bosma being abducted and killed, where he's talking about, my name is Mark, but they should have called me Merck. And Merck in the Urban Dictionary means killer. Hmm. Um, and so. You can, you can call it an art to a point, but when you're rhyming about things that just happen to come true and you're charged with first-degree murder, they become more difficult to dispute. So, you know, I don't really need the songwriters to now email me and explain how they write and their craft, because I've had much of that. I'm just saying, hmm. when you write about something that apparently comes to life, uh, it does at least, at the very least, show the kind of character. You talked about the demeanor of Mart Smitch and how he seems to be worn down uh, this week. What about Dylan Millard? What was his reaction to all of this? Uh, he's just writing away, looking yeah. down and writing away. I mean, I, I think there's some sense of relief for Mr. Millard that the, you know, the focus has kind of been taken off of him in its entirety. But like I said, we're not now just focusing on Mr. Smith. We're talking about Mr. Millard. Uh, but Mr. Millard doesn't seem kind of as jacked up uh, and, and animated in, in shaking his head in that because now collectively the two of them are being spoken about in the same Hmm. Um, in the same kind of, you know, you both planned, you both killed, you both cleaned up, you both covered up. So how did this end prior to lunch today? Well, like, I, we, we had gotten into some rhymes that Mr. Uh, Smitch had written a couple of weeks before, and he said, nah, these are just things I write about, right. things that just rhyme, and, and Mr. Uh, Fraser, who's probably about... 65-ish. He's like, these don't rhyme very well, uh, but give me a break. These these things you're writing about, um, you know, uh, three weeks before a man is kidnapped and killed and his body incinerated, um, and we've shown you through the text of your conversations this plan to steal a, a 3500 and then you buy an incinerator, they're just a little too close for comfort. Wow. So what happens as this moves forward this afternoon? 
Well, we're moving at a very, very kind of quick clip, so I would not be surprised if they finish up today, if not first thing tomorrow, because uh, in speaking to the Crown, while they would not tell me exactly what they were going to be you know, talking about, they certainly are going into very specific areas. So they're not meandering over, um, you know, and they may very well get to burying the gun, but they're just moving along. He's not really kind of delving into the I don't knows as Sachek was because, again, a lot of it's come out, and they just want to go for certain specific areas, and certainly the text speak volumes. And I think for the jury uh, to go back to this text, which were probably a couple of months ago, it's a good reminder to say, oh yeah, I forgot about that, where they said, as of February 2012, we're going to steal a truck. And, and as Fraser has very well pointed out, it doesn't take a year to steal a truck, especially when you're as seasoned as all you guys were. What does take planning, though, is if you plan to kill somebody and you have to order something like an eliminator and then get it custom built because it was you, Mark Smith, who said you wanted it mobile, um, you know, things like that. So I would think that, that the jury has been kind of brought full circle now. They'll have two sides. You always have to wait in cross-examination to hear both sides, and in this case, all three sides of the case. Uh, to get kind of a better feeling as to whether or not you believe that particular witness. Any more questions about the gun or forgetting where the gun was buried? Yeah, I mean, we haven't gotten up to that date. The Crown is going in more of a um, uh, uh, chronological order, so if we're getting into that area, it would be this afternoon. I think they'll go there for sure, uh, but right now we've been kind of um, really focusing on the buildup of the plan and the purchasing of the Eliminator, which is very, very important, um, and, and the fact that, you know, here you are posing with this gun, or to believe that, you know, you don't you don't know anything about it, like it's just a gun you pose with all the time, um, and certainly the text conversations showing deliberation. I mean, don't forget, the Crown has to prove for first degree planning, plan and deliberation, um, and then executing this, this plan. It doesn't necessarily matter who pulled the trigger in this case. Mm-hmm. They both have to be part of that plan uh, and the cover-up. And he was very, I think, damning in pointing out that the cover-up of this guy who apparently wanted nothing to do with this thing had plenty to do with it because he spent hours, um, you know, covering it up and, and throwing away and destroying evidence of, of a murder. Uh, any chance of any other witnesses taking the stand? Is this it? We don't know. Um, so we still have that option, do we? Dungy still has that option that they can, you know, this is still Dungy's um, side right now. Uh, So he can call uh, witnesses after Mr. Smitch, and we don't know if he will or we won't. Um, I would think that maybe not. But assuming he does not call anybody, then we get into what's called the pre-charge conference where the lawyers will all sit down with the judge and they will go over what uh, they want the judge to bring out and point out uh, certain pieces of evidence that they think that the jury might need clarification on before they go into deliberations. But uh, again, we're still, I think, a day or two away from that. Then we get into closing arguments and then deliberations. Uh, Does it appear that Mark Smitch is is, is this is getting the better of him that he's getting worn down uh, I would I would say and I said to my colleague I said he appears a little bit more worn down or is that my imagination and she said no I agree with you um, he's not copying any attitude certainly not uh, Fraser uh, Craig Fraser is 
very, very to the point. Mm -hmm. And um, he does not play at all to the jury where Sechak kind of, you know, can be uh, self-deprecating and he can kind of poke a joke here or there. Mm -hmm. Uh, This this Crown attorney is not like that at all. And he will put up with none of that. And I think it became very, very clear to Smitch that this guy knows his stuff. And that he will, if if not one way, he'll get him the other way. And and so it's been very interesting to see the body language somewhat shift, um, because there's the, the I don't knows just will not cut it uh, hmm. for long with this guy. Because as we've seen, Fraser will move on from that right away. I'm not going to get it, so I'm moving on right here. How about you explain that? And it's a text, and it's very hard to dispute a text. Um, you can get around it to a point before it just becomes absurd. Alex Pearson has been with us, of course, covering the Tim Bosma murder trial. Uh, the Crown is cross-examining Mark Smitch right now, and that will continue into this afternoon. Alex, as always, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. My pleasure, Scott. We'll talk to you soon.